Throughout 2015, did it seem to you like you couldn't open a newspaper or turn on the TV without hearing bad news around the world? It was a year in which we witnessed repeated violent terrorist attacks across the ocean and even closer to home. It was a year in which we saw violence force refugees out of their homes, leading to even more tension. It was a year in which we saw the continued rise of ISIS as a threat to freedom and stability. But here's what you may not have heard. It was a year in which God was building his kingdom and drawing people to himself in incredible ways. There are thousands who are coming to know Jesus Christ. And I have baptized recently 15 people. Eight of them, they were from Muslim background. A fighter suddenly had a vision of the cross. And for an ISIS fighter, that is not good news, that's bad news. All over the world, amongst Muslim peoples, there is something happening where they are having unusual dreams from God. Who is this Isa that we are seeing in dreams and vision? 2015 was also a year in which a new radio program began, a program with a mission to tell stories about what God is doing, stories you don't always hear about, stories that give a voice to the voiceless. We're so thankful for God's faithfulness during this first year of broadcasting The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Today we'll look back and remember some of the things God has done and the stories he's allowed us to tell in the last 12 months. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. If you just read the regular news, you might think that sharing the gospel in the Muslim world is impossible. But as we revisit highlights from 2015, one theme that stands out in these stories is the amazing openness and hunger for Christ among Muslims. There's never been a greater time to reach out to Muslims. They are open. This is Tom Doyle. He's the author of the book, Killing Christians. My interview with him earlier this year was a real highlight and he gave important perspective on why engaging in a dialogue with Muslim neighbors is so worthwhile. About 60% of Muslims really don't even practice. They were just born Muslim, probably haven't even read the Quran. So the majority are not practicing, even though they're in that culture. They may be pushed into submission out of fear, but then maybe 30% practice. And you know what? They would be good neighbors, they're peaceful. Maybe 8 to 10% believe in the jihadist mentality. Don't all practice that. You know, I have a friend that became a Muslim imam in the Middle East years ago. He's now a believer and he's a pastor. A dramatically realtered his life, changed everything. <laughs> I said, why did you do it? How, how did that happen? He said, yeah, I really wasn't convinced of the religion. He said, not by a long shot. I wanted an identity. I wanted to be a part of something. I wanted an identity. And so maybe they do look at the West and it's decadent and this is meaningless. And, you know, they want to count for something and and they want to go and, and do that. And so, you know, you would ask, should we be afraid of ISIS? Uh, we pray that our government will stand up and stop the uh, attacks and you know, that there'll be a good coalition that will stop them. But, you know, as believers, we have to remember what Corey Ten Boom said. 
there's no panic in heaven. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is not sitting on the throne biting his nails because of ISIS. And believe it or not, he's using them. And we have a friend that works in the Middle East that sat down for coffee and in a coffee shop in the Middle East and a man came up, started sharing with him. He said, you're from America. I want to talk to you. And he said, okay. And he said, why do you want to talk to me? And he said, I'm with ISIS. And my Uh-oh. friend immediately thought, oh, is it that late already? I think, I think I need to move on. And the man started to share with him that he joined, believed in the ideals. He's been wounded. They persecuted his family. He's rethinking. And my friend got to share the love of Jesus with him. And they are texting and wow. emailing, this ISIS man is open to Jesus. So no one's unreachable. I think the thing that most Americans need to know is there's never been a greater time to reach out to Muslims. They are open. And Todd, we have some friends. We live in in um, uh, America here, and we have some friends that reached out to a couple that are from Kuwait. And this couple lived down the block. They're great neighbors. And they had them over for dinner. And they had two kids that were at the dinner. And these are practicing Muslims. And the kids were just frantic. This this friend of mine, Jay, said it was like they drank Red Bull or something before they came. <laughs> they were out. Of, and the mom stopped at dinner and said, I'm so sorry our kids are like out of control tonight. And they're just really excited because we've lived in America for seven years now, going on eight. And this is the first time we've been asked to come into an American home. And we're just so thrilled. Oh, my goodness. That's like a knife through my chest. And I'm talking about an area that is well-churched where people are talking about reaching others to your face. So are there some that are outside of our, off the table? We're not, no. And as they have spent time with them, tremendous conversations. They're very interested about Jesus, but nobody was looking out to even get to know him. Tom Doyle's wife is named Joanne, and she's seen the power of love in action when ministering in the Muslim world. She's seen the value of cultivating loving relationships. We all think, okay, if I'm going to talk to a Muslim, I need to share the gospel. But you know, even sharing love, Jesus said, you will be known by your love, right? They will know you by my love. So when we when we do that, we are planting seeds of the gospel. Maybe the whole message isn't there, but someone else will come along and water it. And if we're all being faithful one day when it's at the right time for that woman, someone will share the gospel. Or perhaps you may be able to build actually a friendship with one of these Muslim women, and you may be the one that's blessed to lead them to faith in Christ. Joanne Doyle has seen firsthand how effective it is to show tangible love and service to women in the Middle East. When she visits and holds training sessions, she doesn't only speak to the women, she also follows the example of Jesus to serve them. Typically, our conference is a day or a day and a half in whatever country we happen to be in. 
And we tend to do, we do the foot washing in the beginning. Maybe we'll have one session where we'll talk about how much Jesus loves them and how God created man and woman to be equal. You know, different roles, but same value. Which is a revolutionary idea in a Absolutely. <laughs> they hear that and they're like, what? I've never heard this before, even if they're believers. And then we'll go into, we'll have a, a teaching on John 13, which is the only gospel that records Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And in that passage, he talks about how if you will follow his example, that you will be blessed. And so then we say, okay, we are going to create a holy time right now. And you can see the women are already getting nervous because they don't know what's coming, uh-huh. but they kind of are starting to get, you know, how do I get out of this room <laughs> kind of thing. And, um, but we tell them this is going to be a holy time. And we have worship music playing and in their language. If they have a worship team, they're up there leading in worship. We tell them this is a time not to talk amongst yourself, but this is between you and Jesus. Because if you had been in the room with Jesus that night, he would have washed your feet. So when it's your turn to sit up in that chair, you picture not the woman in front of you. You picture that's Jesus washing your feet. And we'll have maybe 10 chairs lined across the front, depending on how many of us there are. And um And they'll all sit in that chair while the worship's going on. We anoint them with oil first. We embrace them and hug them. We come down, we wash their feet lovingly. And for us, I mean, we know we have got to humble ourselves before the Lord. For the, in order for the Holy Spirit to show up. And as we wash their feet, we are just quietly praying over them. And it's just sweet to see how the Lord calls us and leads us to pray over these women that we don't know. And then as we wash their feet, we dry them, we kiss their feet, we just get on our knees, and then while they're sitting there, embrace them and pray a blessing over them. And what happens, the pattern that I've seen through the years, is some of these women are crying before they're even sitting in that chair. And I don't know what it is, but there's got to be some invisible nerve that goes from your foot to your heart. And even though our foot is a very common part of our, our body, it's a very intimate part. Not very many people touch our feet. And so somehow the blessing that I see from coming out of foot washing is that the walls that we build around our heart to protect us, initially it is a protection from more pain coming in, but then it becomes a barrier between that person and God and that person and others. And so during this foot washing time, when that invisible nerve is touched, that wall that they've built around their heart begins to break. And as they are weeping, Jesus is reaching in there and just touching them powerfully. And another thing I I mentioned, we do this at the beginning of of our conference, and we do that very intentionally. Because if we did that at the end, when we've kind of got to know these women, you know, women tend to bond with women. They would bond with us, which is sweet, but we don't want them just to bond with us. We want them to to bond with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So when we do this at the beginning and they don't know us, oh my goodness, that's who they connect with is a living God. And it is a precious time. I wish you could just be in the room and wow. just sense the holiness in there and what God is doing in these precious women's hearts. And our tears are dripping in their water bowls <laughs> because it's Jesus is there. Denise Thorne is another woman who has witnessed how meaningful it is to wash the feet of those she's serving. She and her husband, Ray, were serving women in Nigeria, oppressed by Boko Haram, a radical Islamic group. In a minute, we'll hear what she experienced when washing feet in Nigeria. First, Denise and Ray's experiences in Nigeria show just how difficult the life of many women is in that country. When we arrived in Nigeria, our first encounter was almost 60 widows who have had their husbands slaughtered 
by Boko Haram, this radical Islamic group. And just the overwhelming um, reality, as we're sitting here, all of these women have the same thing in common. Their husbands were either shot or slaughtered, cut in the neck, and bled out uh, with a knife or a machete. One day, Denise Thorne met with a group of women who had denied their faith in Christ when these Boko Haram fighters threatened to kill them. I was able to have brought in a, a bowl of water and a towel and some oil, and I, I had to ask them, I said, can I do something for you that the Lord Jesus did for his disciples' feet? Would you allow me to um, wash your feet? And they said, yes, we will. And that was just a sweet way to begin the conversation of sitting there and then listening to their testimony and their story. And and honestly, as you hear these things, I sat there and said, Lord, what what do I say to these women? It's hard to know as they, they talked about the grief they had in their denial. And it was interesting because when the Holy Spirit convicts and he moves, you know it in a very clear way. And as I was asking for guidance, it was like, the Holy Spirit said, share the story about Peter and how he denied Christ. It was just so fitting being able to tell these women, you're not alone. You're not the first woman or the first individual who has experienced this. Peter denied Christ, but even so, he repented and the Lord used him in a mighty way. And so, my purpose was to give them hope in knowing that they could, too, receive forgiveness, and God could also use them in mighty ways like he did Peter. But it was a moment where you knew the Spirit was leading, and he uses his word in a very real and practical way. When they first came into our room, they were very sad. They wouldn't look at us in the eyes, just sort of downtrodden, like a, a burden was there. But by the time they left, we were actually smiling, looking at one another. There was just peace and an, um, an uplifting spirit was present. That's Denise Thorne reminding us how powerful it is to practically show the love of Christ. It opens conversations and opens doors to share biblical truth all around the world. I'm Todd Nettleton, and here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we're reviewing some of the highlights from our program in 2015. As you can tell, we're only able to play for you a few minutes of these stories, but I hope you'll visit our website, vomradio.net, Go to the archives and listen to our complete conversations with these guests. As you hear these stories, your heart will grow to pray for God to draw people from every nation to himself. Again, you can hear these stories in full at vomradio.net. I mentioned earlier how many times we heard a recurring theme. There is a deep hunger among many Muslims to know who Jesus is. Earlier this year, we heard from a guest from Syria. For security reasons, we only call him Brother John. There are thousands who are coming to know Jesus Christ, and they're coming, and many question we hear, who is this Isa that we are seeing in dreams and vision? Who is this man, Isa? And they're asking about it, and the people, some of them were able to hear the gospel. 
Well, in the middle of the service, one of our services in Damascus, in the middle of the service, and it's packed, and many Muslims come to it, and they're fully covered. So you don't know what they're, they're targeting churches, and I'm uh, they with suicide bomb or explosion. So, so we don't know if one of them will have a bomb, will leave it designated, and we have our children in the churches as well. So. In the middle of the service, a man walk in, sit up front, and he looked like a radical Muslim, and he sit up front. And the pastor was sharing the, God, the message, and he began to share the gospel message. And all of a sudden, this man in the middle of the service shouted, Allahu Akbar, and everybody panicked. Because that's the statement when they say, Allahu Akbar, God is bigger, when they're ready to designate themselves off to kill themselves. And that's suicide bombers, right? So right in the middle of the service, he shouted, Allahu Akbar. We people panicked. And all they could think, people, about the, how can they exit the church and run for safety. The Lord gave the pastor wisdom and calmness to continue with the message. And he began to share about the gospel and God's love. The second time, the third time, this guy shouted, Allahu Akbar! And everybody's intense, and the Lord gave him wisdom. Toward the end, this man, one of the first few who came to know Jesus Christ, accepted Jesus Christ in his life. But listen he had no other expression. He, he went to interact with the message. He didn't know what to respond. All he knew, he didn't know hallelujah, amen, praise God. He, all he knew, Allahu Akbar. So he's shouting, Allahu Akbar. And everybody's looking at him fearfully for their life. This guy listening to the message to hear the gospel message. People are thirsty for the truth, the one we have and we carry. And we need to share the good news with the people around us. That's a friend from Syria. We just call him Brother John in order to protect his security. He's been showing us one example of the way God has been drawing Muslims to himself. Here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio earlier this year, we heard another dramatic example of Muslims coming to Christ. I spoke with a pastor from northern Iraq. His church has experienced steady growth even as the danger from ISIS has increased. I usually say, you know, Jesus has a big net. This is what I, I see and imagine. Jesus Christ, he has a big net to get the fish. And ISIS is pushing those Muslims toward this net. <laughs> uh, a lot of them, they see dreams and visions, and a lot of them, they are starting to questioning their faith, if this is true or no, or not. So a lot of them are coming to, to know Jesus Christ I can say this, they are begging us to baptize them, begging us, literally. Muslims. Muslims, yeah. And I have baptized recently, before a few months, in the church, we have baptized 15 people. Out of the 15 people, eight of them, they were from Muslim background. This pastor from Iraq told us more about one of these new believers. She came into the church and she said, I need baptism. The first thing, we were shocked. She's she, covered. She was wearing a veil? She, she's, yes, she's, she's fully covered. <laughs> Young lady, she said, I, w I, need, I want to be baptized. So, and I, I said, but why you want to need? She said, because I'm a Christian. How come you became a Christian? She said, I was in the college and I met a Christian guy in the college and I was feeling sorry for him because he's going to hell because he's a Christian. I felt sorry for him and I wanted to tell him about the true faith, which is, as she thinks, this is Islam. He told her, I was going to tell you something. Go read the New Testament, then you, can, you, you come and talk to me. She started to read the New Testament. And her life was totally changed by reading the New Testament. And because she came from a Muslim strong background, she was memorizing the Quran. But after reading the New Testament, she started to memorize the New Testament. 
And when I met her after six months, and this is amazing, after six months I met her, you know, I didn't want to baptize her because I don't know her. I am just depending and relying on her word. And I was quoting scripture to her, telling her that baptism is like that. And she was quoting scripture and negotiating with me like a 10 year, uh, <laughs> someone 10 years in faith. And I said, how come you know the Bible? She said, I'm memorizing everything from the Bible. After that meeting, we were convinced. I met her with another leader from our <laughs> church. We were convinced totally that she need baptism and yes, we were going to baptize her. We baptized her, but the family knew about that. And now she's in big danger. So please pray for this situation. That's a pastor from Iraq telling us about the opportunities unfolding in his country. Just one example of how the Lord is calling Muslims to Christ all around the world. I'm Todd Nettleton, and here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we're reviewing some of the highlights from 2015 here on the program. We just heard how ISIS is influencing some Muslims to question their faith and search for who Jesus really is. Not only that, we also heard about ISIS fighters themselves who have experienced a change of heart. Here's a worker we just called Julian for security reasons. I was at a prayer event in Egypt in October, and we were delighted to hear two accounts of ISIS guys coming to faith. One is about a, a fighter who suddenly, unexpectedly, out of the blue, had a vision of the cross. And for an ISIS fighter, that is not good news. That's bad news. <laughs> What's wrong with me? And so he goes online because they're very internet savvy. He goes to websites. He's looking for a good Muslim site to bolster his faith. And inadvertently, inverted commas, he stumbles into a Christian site and gets kind of interested and more interested and reads and the doubts grow. He leaves Syria, goes into Turkey and meets a believer who's able to share the gospel and he comes to faith. And he was at a conference in Lebanon, a church conference in Lebanon in October and, and shared that personal story. The other account we heard was uh, from Lebanon that there was a taxi driver who was a believer up at the border with Syria. And into his taxi gets this guy with a big beard. And the guy with the beard says, uh, take me to the airport. I'm flying home to Saudi. But on the way, I want to find a Bible. Can you find me a Bible? <laughs> and the taxi driver knew a Christian worker in Beirut who was very happy to give the guy with the beard the Bible. And then, sir, would you like to tell us why you're looking for a Bible? And his response was, I'm a, from Saudi. I'm a sheikh, I've, which means a teacher of Islam. I've been in Syria teaching the ISIS fighters Jihad 101, the theology and practice of Jihad. I'm sick of the killing. Julian told us about an ISIS fighter who had a vision of the cross, and that points to something extraordinary that God is doing in our day. Gina Fadley works with a mission organization called YWAM, and she's seen how God is miraculously calling Muslims to Christ. Yeah, it's been really interesting because uh, it's like God knows that for these difficult places, we need a little extra help. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but we do tend to see... In the pioneering situation, when we're going into an unreached people, it is not uncommon at all to see the miracles and healings and things that are uh, incomprehensible. 
that it's like the Holy Spirit just intervenes and, and God helps us. One of these that I've mentioned is uh, dreams. Um, all over, all over the world, amongst Muslim peoples, there is something happening where they are having unusual dreams and that from God. I, I totally believe they're from God. And um, this happened in a notable way in North Africa amongst a people group in Algeria where on the same, the same night in the same village, a whole group of men had the same dream about Jesus Christ saying, I am the way, wow. the truth, and the life, and no man <laughs> comes to the Father but by me. And it actually started one of the few movements that we know of in that part of the world. This is happening so commonly that if I am talking with on a plane or something or, or meet with a Muslim person, I will often just ask, have you had any unusual dreams lately? Because it's not that they might say, well, you know, I haven't told anybody this, but, you know, it's just happening that often. One of our YWAM workers in the Middle East was contacted by a friend uh, earlier this year, and they met up and he was introduced to an ISIS fighter who had killed uh, many Christians already. I mean, that's a horrible situation, and admittedly, he was probably on guard. Now, yeah, was your how nervous was your worker? I when bet. He's, hey, I this bet. is my buddy. He's from ISIS. I would think yes. he would turn and run. Mm -hmm. Well, the fighter admitted uh, that he had killed Christians and that he had actually enjoyed doing so. Uh, he told this YWAM leader that he had begun having dreams of this man in white who came to him and said, you are killing my people. And he started to feel really sick and uneasy about what he was doing. The fighter said that uh, just before he killed one Christian, the man said, I know you will kill me, but I give to you my Bible. The Christian was killed, and this ISIS fighter actually took the Bible and began to read it. And then in another dream, Jesus asked him to follow him. And he was now asking to become a follower of Christ and to be discipled. So who knows? <laughs> Perhaps this man will be like Saul in the Bible that persecuted Christians, and he turned from that uh, persecution in the early church to become the Apostle Paul who led it. That's Gina Fadley, a worker with the mission group YWAM. She's been giving us an example of something we've heard over and over this year on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. There are no lost causes— when you look around the world and it feels like all you see is bad news, God is still in control. In the middle of bleak and violent situations, we're seeing huge opportunities to build God's kingdom. Today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we've been listening to highlights from our first year of broadcasting. It was tough to narrow these stories down to just a few minutes each, but you can hear all of them by visiting our website, vomradio.net. When you listen to these stories of what God is doing around the world, a couple of things begin to happen. First, you're more aware of how he might be working right in your area. Stories of people coming to faith in Christ in a place like Iraq can encourage your faith that he can draw people in your community, in your neighborhood. Secondly, listening to these stories will encourage you to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. You'll be encouraged to pray for the Lord to continue to call people from every tribe and tongue and nation to come and know Him. 
I hope you'll visit vomradio.net and download past episodes of the program. While you're in traffic or working around the house, you can redeem the time by hearing about God's amazing work in the world. Again, that site is vomradio.net. Next week, we will continue to revisit some of the highlights from Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2015. You'll hear about a mission worker in Niger who was shot and left for dead in the desert. So the first bullet went through my knee, and then the second bullet went through uh, the shin of my leg. I just missed the uh, main artery by about a millimeter. You'll also hear from a man who showed up in Iran with 80 Bibles in his suitcase. Man, my heart was pounding so fast, I thought, what's going to happen to me? Are they going to shoot me? Are they going to cut off my head? Are they going to cut off my arm? What are they going to do to me? And you'll hear from a couple whose faithfulness during a tragedy was a powerful influence in Mongolia. On Christmas Eve, I awoke to Louise's screams from where our baby had been in bed. That's all coming up next week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio.